Welcome back to the Practical Enneagram. What do you do when the name of a coach keeps appearing on your radar? I'll tell you what I do. I track them down and ask if I can have a conversation with them. Fortunately for me, Amy Ream was receptive to my request. Amy isn't only a certified Enneagram coach. She is a marriage and family therapist, spiritual advisor and dream interpreter. This interview is about the way that Amy uses the Enneagram in her practice. A big grateful hug to my silent co-interviewer, Dana, for her help in crafting good questions for Amy. Even the way that this interview came about forefronted something for me. Um, Themes around trust, guidance and inner authority. I've asked myself the question a lot, what makes a helper a good steward for someone else in their development? It certainly isn't credentials. Experience helps, but that's not completely it either. I think that the only honest place to stand when it comes to supporting others in their healing and development is to do the job, but carry in your awareness that we each contain an innate intelligence that can guide our unique unfoldments. For me, Amy embodies that truth in a deep way, and that's at least partially what makes her so incredibly effective and indeed trustworthy. My sense of things is that she's able to powerfully guide developmental work whilst holding a light for the person's inner development of guidance. I think that helpers do need to embody the specific essential qualities that the client is asking for underneath their coaching topic as they make greater contact with the qualities themselves. Anyway, pontification over. Enjoy this interview with the very skilled Amy Ream, who you can seek out using the contact form in the episode notes. this opportunity to speak with you um thank you before I ask you to tell me how the Enneagram came in and um, maybe share where you are in the world and what you do with the time in a professional context I live in the famous Las Vegas Nevada area <laughs> where everyone in the world knows about Las Vegas yeah and I am a psychotherapist a coach a dream interpreter and a spiritual healer. Mm-hmm. Is the dream interpretation, is it Jungian based? Yes, it is similar. I did a, a year-long training uh, with uh, Aisling uh, School of Dream Interpretation, and the foundation is Jungian, but there's aspects of it that is spiritually oriented as well. Mm-hmm. And the Enneagram. So when did it come in? What were the early encounters like? And did you find your type easily? It was in the early 2000s. I was um, going through uh, some trauma with a marriage and potential divorce. And I was introduced to the Enneagram by my therapist at the time. I believe because I was not in a, a great space mentally and emotionally, I was mistyped. It didn't feel right where I landed, where I was told I was on the Enneagram, Mm -hmm. um, nine types. And so it took a while after that to uh, 
trust that I was following what was right for me to discover my, my, my type, which is six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not really important to know, but I'm curious, were you mistyped as a four? Yes, I think because I was in depression and I was going through a traumatic experience, I I landed there easily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. So you found yourself in six relatively easily after that. Well, did you like the system right away, Amy? Did you take to it? I did, even though I was mistyped, mm. it satisfied that mental construct that yeah. I need to know that sixes have. It was it was something I could land on. Mm. Um, so I I loved learning about it. I loved all aspects of it. And then when I found my type uh, social six, it was like the missing piece of the puzzle. As mm. as social sixes are constantly looking for in the beginning the way to make sense of the world, and it just helped me understand. I was always very very curious about the way be- people behaved was very attracted to watching and observing patterns and behaviors. And so when I finally found my type, it just felt like home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and when the Enneagram came in, you'd already done your, you were already a practicing psychotherapist at that. No, no, I was, I worked in law and I had my own uh, business consultant consulting um, practice. I was also a professional organizer. I wore a lot of different hats. Mm-hmm. And so I was using it in my personal life and then expanded it and started using it in my professional life. Mm-hmm. So I would um, try to figure out types without introducing it if they weren't interested. Mm-hmm. And sometimes course and sometimes I was wrong of course because no one can really know their type you can't know someone else's type unless that person identifies um but it did help me it did give me a foundation and a structure and I found that I would have an easier transition with new situations if I could understand what through the Enneagram lens it just helped me advance yeah 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 it didn't spur your decision to train as a psychotherapist. It sounded like you were always interested in that anyway. So you're always going to go there. But yeah. yeah. So you had the Enneagram when you went through that training, which I imagine didn't include a teaching on the Enneagram because it hasn't quite made it to sort of mainstream academia yet. So yeah. it must have given you a big advantage in your psychotherapy practice as well, I imagine. It did. But in my cohort, uh, every opportunity I had to introduce the Enneagram, I did. Some professors actually allow me to speak to it or use it in whatever uh, training that class is on. So mm-hmm. sometimes they allowed me to bring it in, which filled my heart with a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yes, uh, once I became a psychotherapist, it really helped me help people understand themselves much quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and language that they could land on that actually looking back now in the beginning actually helped people feel more normal instead of a psychotherapy diagnosis Mm -hmm. it was oh this is a pattern or behavior and I have more control over this dynamic than I realized Mm -hmm. yeah this is a question that I've had ever since I've started coaching because you coach and you Therapies, yeah. What defines someone who 
requires coaching from someone that requires therapy and then also spiritual direction too which is a different thing uh good question um it's in my practice that a coaching client can learn about themselves with the behaviors and the patterns and understand themselves through the Enneagram lens, use the tool, work on themselves. But if there's trauma that's involved, it can sometimes limit how far they can go. Mm-hmm. So a coach, coaching client can shift into a therapeutic client by going deeper into the trauma and healing the wound, which then frees them up to um, advance further. Uh, a therapeutic client from a spiritual client um, is probably someone who would like to have more complete transformation, not just heal one wound, mm-hmm. but keep it. And as a lot of people in the Enneagram community know, the holy ideas, the holy essence of each type that mm-hmm. would uh, denote someone who wants to advance to the highest levels of conscious awareness. Mm-hmm. So let's, if we can, go into some more depth in how you're using the Enneagram in in your practice. So are there clear lines for how you use it in a coaching relationship versus how you use it in a therapeutic relationship? Or is it a bit more like intuitive? Mm -hmm. I think it's a little more integrated. It's hard to kind of uh, break down how I uh, work because I do follow intuitive guidance. but um levels of awareness i think are pretty important mm. i don't want to start working at a higher level of awareness assume a client's at a higher level of awareness when they're not or vice versa so i really try to get an understanding of their levels of consciousness about their type their behaviors their patterns how ingrained it is mm-hmm. um, that's a big process in the very beginning mm-hmm. and as the work unfolds um it can shift You know, there's shadow work. And I think that can be for both coaching and therapeutic clients. Mm -hmm. I think getting in touch with the trauma and the wounds is at higher levels of conscious awareness. Not so much cognitive all the time, but as a deeper longing for healing that brings that up. And I think another part that is pretty critical is really truly working with the core motive of each type. In each subtype, as a, you know, a self press six is a core motive is a bit different than this social, which is different than the sexual, which is I work with instincts because I think that the instincts are the driver of the personality. Instincts are um, running the show, which can make it challenging to advance if we don't understand the uh, way the instinct is moving and operating within the mind and the body and the heart. Instincts is the first layer of um, developmental work, would you say, Amy? I would say to understand your subtype, which is the instinct with your type, is is pretty important. You know, for myself, understanding that my social instinct drives the six behaviors. So social instinct will be the one to lead or it used to be the one to lead mm-hmm. in groups or need to know how to serve the group or feel safe in the group. 
now that I've worked on that instinct, I have more, I, I know how to tame it. I know how to work with, is this in my highest and best interest? Is this coming from a place of fear versus a conscious awareness of that fear may be there? And how do I, how do I work through that fear and be still and just be? Mm. There's a much more conscious relationship with the instincts after some yeah. development work. And so with it, with assessing the person's level of development in the beginning, are you that must be, I suppose, one of the key factors. How aware are they of the core motive of mm-hmm. the instinct and the subtype? Yeah. Yes. When you use the levels, are you talking about Rizzo's levels of development or um there's so- several schools of thought Mm. and I go from just the level one being very new at understanding the Enneagram or not even understanding the Enneagram, right? Just completely unaware of how they are operating in the world from a very unconscious place. Mm -hmm. And then just working from that all the way up to the highest level of essence, which is understanding that you are one and not everything that your type has uh, brought you in to the world with. Mm, Okay. Yeah. After this layer of work, this level of work with the instincts and the the subtype pattern, then we're looking into doing some more deeper work with our shadow aspects. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense to me that we're getting to the trauma at that stage. Um, And I could just add to that. Um, Richard Rohr talks about the false self and the true self. And mm-hmm. as many people do in the, in the inner path work, right? And once we're going up to the higher levels of awareness, it's about deconstructing all parts of ourselves that have been either running and silent or you becoming more aware and integrating those parts, helping yourself become more one with these parts and more true I often talk about it as we're at lower levels of awareness. We're living very incongruently. We have a place inside that is different than what is showing on the outside. And so by working with all these different aspects in each client's different, so it's not just a cookie cutter process. It's about becoming more congruent and the structure on the outside starts to shift And the structure on the inside, the true self starts to be able to form. And so it's just a process of going back and forth. We can't have, we can't leave one without developing the other. Mm -hmm. That's really clear. Thank you. I'm going to have to ask you about your thoughts on tri-type. Do you think we are dealing with three types or or not? I don't approach it from that angle because Mm -hmm. I think, The instinct actually gives you some of that same information, Mm -hmm. as well as the core wound. The core wound is is the structure that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And if they with the core wound and we start healing the core wound, then all of those other outside distractions start to fall away, as well as at some point when we get far enough on the path, we will have the ability to see and feel and resonate with the other eight types because it's all about we are all one in the universe Mm -hmm. and yet we are individual. So, but that comes 
at the higher levels of awareness, the consciousness that develops, the opening that comes from healing these core uh, pieces within ourself. Mm-hmm. So I don't prescribe to the tri-type because I think that in the beginning is too much of a distraction to get into the, the healing that needs to take place in the structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the core wounds, are you referring to specific core wounds for each type? And where are these again? Are these, are you talking about the childhood wound or? Childhood wound and as well as on my path, I have a spiritual opening that has led me to deeper understanding that we actually have come into this world with uh, choices that we had to overcome. Abandonment being one, um, needing support, needing control needing to be seen. We have these reoccurring themes Mm. that we come to and then the Enneagram sort of puts a lens on that wound and helps guide the process of understanding. It's like you said, it's not cookie clutter with the wounds. So it would be a, a personal investigation for each person, what the wound is. Okay. Yeah. And then aside, apart from the Enneagram or in addition to the Enneagram, what are you drawing on? I know there's a lot of stuff I use the Enneagram as a major uh, tool for understanding and a beautiful lens. I also use dream interpretation um, because it's our own super conscious, subconscious mind giving us the information of what's coming up for healing. Uh, So that's very impactful, very impactful for clients that I work with that want to use uh, their dreams in the process. I also use my own uh, spiritual connection to guide me on supporting the client and then also my training. Do the Enneagram and dream work, are they complementary particularly or not? not? I, I found them to be so because I can see in the dreams certain behaviors that are very indicative of that type. Mm. Our dreams will show us all of our uh, gifts, our mm-hmm. strengths, and even our capacity to reach the divine source within us and above us, whatever that, however that person defines it for themselves. And it will show us the blocks that are preventing that from happening. Mm-hmm. So if someone's really critical of themselves, say a type one who may have a strong inner critic at lower levels of awareness, they will, it'll show up in the dreams. So mm-hmm. I'm not just them they're not just experiencing it their subconscious mind is saying hey this is something that needs to be worked on and healed mm-hmm. there's a gentleman in ireland who uh, tra- trained my uh, teacher and he's retired now but he says uh, dreams are if not answered or um are not listened to and not worked through or unanswered letters and i thought that was just oh, beautiful it is it's just very lovely it's the information. It's your information, your higher self communicating with you. So difficult moment in a coach-client relationship. Yeah, what is a difficult moment? I, mean, I, I know that resistance can be quite difficult to work with. But yeah. Yes, I think that might be a difficult moment in the process, but I don't find it difficult for me. I find it challenging for the client. I feel like I can, and back in the day, I couldn't have done this. Again, I've developed over the years. 
I would be reactive to their resistance. But now I see it actually as a very great opportunity, a loving process. Mm -hmm. And if they have reached a point of resistance, then we know that the work has been done. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, resistance wouldn't come in as big as it might show up in that moment. So I just sit with them in it and I don't leave. Mm. <laughs> Something that I'm, I'm sure most of my clients have heard me say, I'm not leaving. You can do whatever <laughs> you want right now, but unless you fire me, I am here through this process. Mm. And they get angry at me. They, mm. I've had people tell me off and then I'm, I, I know that it's working because something is moving within them or about to move. And so, uh, yes, it can be challenging at times, but but we get through it. And mm-hmm. it's really wonderful to see what happens on the other side of it. I think that probably the most challenging besides that would be when there is a moment for the client to shift into something uh, greater, greater transformation, and they're on the fence and they don't move forward. They choose not to. I, I can sometimes have a moment of sadness, but I also know that that's, you know, will free will, their choice. Um, and I can still sit with them in it because, you know, I, I understand I've been there. I've mm-hmm. gone forward and backwards so many times I can't count. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's some clients that just don't want to do the work. It doesn't happen very often um, anymore, but I will actually call that out. Mm-hmm. And I will challenge them. It seems as if you are not wanting to do this. And so we have a very open discussion about that. Mm-hmm. How do you know? it? Is it because they're not doing their practices or their, their engagement is a certain way? Uh, pretty much they won't do anything different, even though mm-hmm. they see that they can or they choose not to. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm only speaking of a, just a couple of incidences. Um there was one this year. And when I did, he was shocked that I said, it's just not working here. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to waste your time. And he went and thought about it and came back and said, you're right. I just was testing. And he's not a six, but mm-hmm. he was, he's like, I just, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so he made amends within himself. I'm there wasn't any uh, negative exchange between us. It was just witnessing what was in the field. That's great. Yeah. I love how sort of direct that is. And yeah. What is spiritual leadership and why is it important? I love this question. I've been asked this before. Um, I think there's multiple explanations and definitions. Um, first, I would say a traditional definition would be someone who carries integrity, um, walks the talk, is open, uh, who believes in uh, interconnectedness, who believes in showing up and being uh, consistent and stable. Mm. I also think that spiritual leadership is someone who can hold space appropriately for those that can and should and wants to step into their own spiritual capacity to lead others. 
it's important to me because I, I've had many experiences throughout my life where I would abate and abandon my own authority. And so I really am conscious of holding space for people to have their own authority and walk beside them. I don't believe that spiritual leadership is someone who says this is the way it is and there's no room, no, no ability to challenge in that moment. I believe in transparency as the, on all levels. And I believe that if people know I'm doing my work, it gives them encouragement to continue to do their work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That relates to something else that um, one of your people that you've worked with has shared around you, them appreciating you disclosing, Amy, a little bit, a little bit of self-disclosure. And and I, of course, that's reassuring in a coaching relationship. I, I have appreciated that myself. And, and it can be difficult. I, I have found that I've questioned whether I've been too excessive with that so it's difficult isn't it to know the boundaries of that any Mm -hmm. anything you would say around that like how much to disclose when to do it when not to yeah yes absolutely I think that it's not about me telling my entire story in the client session but if something comes up that will either encourage them because I've had a similar experience to keep going and move through it or to just let them know that I do understand at a deeper level because I've had something similar, mm-hmm. I will share. And of course, I've worked with that as well, boundaries, saying too much. That has not always been a boundary easily recognized. Yeah. But from not recognizing that boundary and working through when I spoke too much, I've learned. Mm-hmm. So it's it's bringing in the balance. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, I try to, um, the Dalai Lama talked about in an interview one time when, when someone asked him, how do you sit with the authority that you have in the world with so many people? And I loved his response. And I try to carry that in my own practice. He said, if I'm working through my heart, there's nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. And so I do set that intention every day mm-hmm. with work, with actually beyond work with everyone. Um, it's just so ingrained that I I really set the practice that I'm working with the intention of a pure heart mm. and openness, and I trust that. Mm. I have made mistakes, mm. and when I make mistakes, I own the mistake. I recognize it, I repair, and I reconcile it with myself and the other, if if at all possible. Mm. So I do have a process. And I always see that as an opportunity for more growth for me and the other person. Definitely. And it, it builds a lot of trust, I think. Um, the, your own spiritual orientation, I know there's probably a lot that you can say about this, but uh, can you tell me what, yeah, what the journey has been and what it has unfolded to now? Sure. I grew up uh, going to church, believing in God. And then I was adopted uh, at birth, and then my adoptive parents died when I was a teenager. And so it was hard at that point to reconcile how there could be a God. And I was very angry for a long time. Mm. And I slowly made my way back to the process and um, felt 
pretty okay with that. And then about six and a half years ago, I had a spiritual, several spiritual experiences that I couldn't explain and I couldn't understand. And it was kind of traumatic at first. And then finally things started unfolding and I, I got the help that I needed and reconciled how I could have spiritual connection uh, with other realms within the spirit world and believe in God. And so I had to work through that within myself. And I came to an understanding that I can hold both. Um, And so my spiritual orientation leans towards spiritual connection. Um, I see, hear, understand, and know things beyond our five senses, beyond this earth plane. And uh, it's been a big journey, a big unfolding, a big process. I've had to go through almost the levels of of awareness that I felt I had accomplished a lot on the earth plane. I had to do that then in the spirit world. Mm-hmm. And so it has been a massive transformation for me in my whole life. I don't see the world as I once did. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's part of how I am designed to help people transform. Mm-hmm. Can I ask more about or are you happy to share more about those specific experiences, Amy, that prompted that? So seeing spirits, seeing mm. things, <laughs> that can be very scary, yeah. especially in the night. Um, knowing things before it would happen, hearing things that I couldn't quite place. Just, you know, it, it was startling to my system my central nervous system was activated on a constant level and not knowing who to work with to get the right help to understand what was happening to me. That was challenging. Um, Trusting the wrong people because I was so new at this process, working through that, you name it. There were so many blocks along the way, but when I finally was able to start figuring things out within myself for myself and then trusting my connection. There's a lot that can happen in the spiritual world and finding your way to the path that's meant for you at the highest level for yourself um, can be challenging, but that's what I had to go through in order to be able to reach the level of uh, connection. I work with the angelic realm. Um, People see and or maybe turned off by that term, but it's love and light beings. Mm -hmm. Anything is so with the highest level in the spirit world is going to be uh, a a higher vibration of love and light. Um, And the masters I work with um, and love and light beings of the universe. Mm -hmm. Probably quite difficult to answer this, but how's this this informing your work with people? I'm imagining there's all kinds of impressions and information that you receive with each client. Yes. And again, if it doesn't resonate with a client, it's not helpful. So it's not that I push this. It is a holding space. And it uh, and my sessions typically come with lots of questions. I'm giving questions because it's not that I have all the answers. It's to help them discern and find their own sense of identity within themselves and their own connection. Mm-hmm. It's not about my connection, knowing everything. It's about helping them come back inside to their true self, to their true opening, 
to their own guidance. Um, and you've already answered this really, but yeah, the way the way that your clients have supported your own continued unfoldment, where are you at with that now? Because you've probably, I imagine, developed to quite a high level now. So what's what's the edge? Is there one? I think that clients support me every single day they show up for a session um, because everything in the world is an exchange, everything. And so even this is an exchange, you know, I'm helping you, you're helping me see myself. So that's, that's what happens in sessions. I, I also reflect at the end of the day, where, where was there a misstep? Where did any ego come in? I'm very, uh, I try to be very diligent about looking at that at the end of each day where my personality may have impacted or where I could have shifted differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so being in session with clients is a big help um, for myself. Um, I recently held a retreat. Every single person there was my first retreat. They understood it was a pilot mm-hmm. and showing up and just supporting my growth and being able to advance to where I am going next cannot be done without being able to work with people. Mm. So I get lots of support. And when they listen to my experience and use that as a guidepost, not because it's their experience, but just as a witnessing, I'm being witnessed to, which is also an exchange and also healing for me. I love that answer. The retreats, are you would you be happy to share a little bit about the one that's been? And I know these are in all that they're in evolution. What was the last one like? It was amazing, mm-hmm. it was incredible. There were many, many challenges leading up to it, a lot of ego deconstructing, which I was really grateful for. But once the retreat started, I, it could not have gone better, in my opinion. Um, I had welcomed all feedback, including uh, criticism and anything that could have been done differently. And so far, I'm waiting for that. I haven't heard that, which is, I think, a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, it was to help people unblock to get closer to their true self, whatever those blocks are. Mm-hmm. And each person had a different experience. Um, some of it was clearing um, emotional blocks, some of it was clearing what maybe a considered a past life. Some people, it was bringing in energy to help them see and witness their true self with an, an experience as a child, bringing that forth, that energy now. Mm-hmm. A lot of energy happens in my sessions and in the group. There was collective energy uh, that just kept uh, raising the vibration of every person there. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of connection, a lot of laughter, Healing can be painful, but it doesn't have to last forever. So Mm -hmm. I felt it was really wonderful to watch, you know, people in their triggers, but work through their triggers Mm -hmm. and then be in communion with everyone there. Amazing and quite a skill to create the safety of that of that space. I'm sure that you do that very, very naturally, but. Thank you, Amy. I think I'm going to let you rest <laughs> or let you crack on with your morning now. But um, I appreciate this a lot. It's been it's been really good to speak with you and, and learn more about how you how you work. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. I enjoyed it.
the next interview is with the Empathy Architects, um, and we're going to be talking about narcissism. <laughs> 